0: Well, I wish you'd explain it to me sometime, Buster. When 900 years old, you reach. Look as good you are not. Live long and prosper. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today, we're going to get a little philosophical, a little existential. It's not quite the level of a very special episode of story time, but we're going to talk some serious stuff. We're going to talk some philosophical stuff because I'm going to talk about God and the universe and you, and none of that is small stuff. That all has big implications, or at least it can, depending on your belief system. Now, before we go any further, I'm not going to try to preach to you. I'm not going to try to convert to you. This is not about you should believe this, you shouldn't believe that. You can believe what you want to believe. What I'm talking about today is what my beliefs were, how they evolved over time, and how my view of God and the universe and man and you and me has changed over the years. And it's all primarily because of how I was brought up, but also how I was educated and what I've experienced. And so, since this is story time, I figured I'd tell you my stories about that. Now, if you're a long-time listener, you probably remember the episode from season one, You're a What Now? That's where I talked about growing up as a Christian scientist. I'm not going to go over that whole episode again. You can go check it out if you want to. But that religious background was the basis for my understanding of God back then. Now, we were never specifically taught that God was an old white man with a long white beard and a long white robe. In fact, in Christian science... God is referred to as Father Mother God. God is everything, all genders, all sexes. We didn't have a specific anthropomorphic idea of what God was. God was the power. God was everything. And God controlled everything. God created everything. God controlled everything. And if you believed in God enough, you too could be godlike in your doings and in your dealings with people. Not that you could move worlds, not that you could create thunder showers out of a clear blue sky, but that you could wield the understanding and the knowledge that God has. That's really an oversimplification, and I know it doesn't sound logical. I'm just trying to give you a brief summary. But basically, the belief system was, if you were a true enough believer, you could have the healing power of Jesus, you could raise the dead, you could heal leprosy, you could heal COVID in the current situation. If you had a clear enough understanding of God... You too could wield God's powers. And for me, when I was a little kid, it made sense. Because that's all I knew. That's how kids are raised in religion. They are taught from the very beginning, this is the way. And so that's all you have to go on. So for most of my life, what I had to go on was that frame of reference for what God was and what people were supposed to be like, trying to achieve a clearer and more full understanding of God. Now, we didn't reject things like the theories of evolution. We didn't reject things like science, at least as far as I know. The understanding was that God created everything, and everything that God created was good. The bad was explained by people who didn't accept the goodness of God's creations, who strayed from the good. I know, it sounds a little simplistic, and I'm not going to try to explain almost 150 years of the background of the religion that I was brought up in. And yes, I do acknowledge that to some ears it may sound cult-like. I understand that as well. But that was the framework that I operated under and how I was brought up. But there were other things that were part of my religion when I was a kid, too, that always caused me to question other religions and other viewpoints. Like, one of the most important things that I remember about God when I was growing up is something that was on the walls of every church— Every Christian science church had the phrase, God is love, on the wall. We were taught that God was an understanding, loving, forgiving God. There wasn't any hate. There wasn't any animosity against anybody in our religion or any other religion. We didn't have a concept of sin in our religion. We didn't have a concept of doing bad things and going to hell. There wasn't really a concept of heaven and hell. The goal was to become more pure in our understanding of God. And the better we became at understanding God and getting closer to God, the better people we would be. We were also taught that Jesus was the Son of God. We had the whole Mary and Joseph story. We also never lost sight of the fact that Jesus was Jewish. In the Bible, on his cross, they had a sign that said, King of the Jews. That may come as a shock to a lot of people, especially in this day and age, people who forget that, you know, Jesus was Jewish. Little detail. Christianity sprang out of the teachings of Jesus. But Jesus wasn't a Christian because there wasn't any Christianity back then. And we were taught this. We were taught this from an early age. So we had an understanding of where the religion came from. And we had a belief system that was based on this faith in the divine being of God. So this is what I accepted as true. Just factual. For all of my young life. All of my young adult life. And I really relied on that religion and on that faith for many, many years. But as I got older, I started reading more things, seeing more things, understanding more things. I started educating myself about things. I started understanding other religions existed. I started understanding there was a history to the religions. I understood that there was a history to man as well. I understood that the Crusades, and there were many, were religious-based wars, which always confused me because nothing about the religion that I grew up in called for the sponsoring of wars against other religions. And in fact, that phrase that I grew up with, God is love, seemed like the direct opposite of what God would want, religious wars. I mean, if God is love, did he want people fighting against each other to say who had the right God? I mean, just because you have a God named God or a God named Yahweh or a god named Allah, or a god named Biff, would any of those gods want you to go to fight to prove that your name was right? I mean, if there's a god, what the hell does he care? Or what the hell does she care? Or if it's father-mother God, what the hell do they care? They don't. They're God. They don't care. So somewhere along the line, I came to the belief that God was not necessarily all that interested in what we human beings on this little planet, in this little solar system, were actually doing. I know there's people who believe that God has his hand in every decision that everybody makes every minute of the day. I know there's people who believe that. But as it came to me that the universe is endlessly huge, and as it came to me that God's creations are everywhere, and as I came to understand that if that's the case, God would have to be like super busy all of the time, endlessly, to have a hand in every existence, in every solar system, in every galaxy. That God created. Who's got time for that? I mean, I know that God is supposed to be all powerful, but wouldn't that be exhausting, even for God? I mean, if you're all powerful, you can do anything. Wouldn't you want to take some time off? And so, somewhere along the line, I started developing this idea that God is kind of like mom after a long day with the kids. Now, I had a stay at home mom, don't forget. So, my mom was there all of the time, running the household, keeping track of the kids, making dinner. Cleaning the house, doing all the things that moms do. Mom was like the god of the house. She was in charge of everything and made sure everything happened right. But I remember growing up that there were times where mom would have to check out. Mom would go into her bedroom. She'd say, don't bother me, I need a break. And that was just mom going into her bedroom, shutting the door, and just taking a break from us screaming kids. Because moms need to do that. We all know that. We don't recognize that as kids, but as adults, oh boy, do we know that need for a break. Especially if you've got kids... There's some times where you just need that five minutes. Sometimes it's 10 minutes. Sometimes it's 15 minutes so you can grab a nice warm bubble bath. Just give me 15 minutes to sit in the tub. So I started developing this view that God was kind of like mom in the tub. God did all the stuff, built everything, created everything, lined everything up, got the universe running, and then just went to the bedroom, shut the door, climbed in the tub. You don't bother mom when she's in the tub on that break. And you don't bother God. He's in the tub. Leave God alone. God did what he did. It's up to you to make things work. And so over the years, I've kind of developed this philosophy. Yeah, God put everything in place. God created everything. God made the world the way it is. Okay, yeah. But it's up to us to make it work. Now, I came to that belief for a couple of reasons. Number one, just logistically, as I mentioned, it just seems like there's a whole lot that we expect God to be doing. It just doesn't seem feasible, even for the omnipresent, omniscient, all-powerful God, That's a lot to have on your plate. But number two, there's too many horrible things that happen in the world for a God who is supposed to be love to allow to happen. I mean, each and every one of us can go through a laundry list of horrible things that we've either seen or experienced that if there was a God who was in charge of everything, none of it would have happened. Why do people die young? Why are there tragic car accidents? Why do condos collapse in Miami and kill over 100 people? What kind of God is love thing is that? So when I saw all this kind of stuff happening, I started rethinking my philosophy of God. God did his thing. Now God is in the tub. It's up to us to make it work. So do I believe that there is a God? Yes, I do. Whether you call God, God, or Allah, or Yahweh, or Biff. Do I think that there is an omnipotent power that created the world and the universe? Yes, I do. Do I have any scientific proof for it? Of course not. There is none. And don't let anybody tell you any different. There is none. That's what faith is. Faith is believing in something that you have no objective proof for, but believing in it anyway. It's my human mind that has created this faith in the power of this invisible being, or at least this invisible force that created the universe. And the only support that I have for it is that there are too many things that just seem to work too perfectly, for which science doesn't really have an explanation either. Sure, there's evolution. Sure, there's the adaptation of a species. And I accept all that. I don't disagree with any of that. But even if you go back to the very beginning of the universe, let's go back to the Big Bang Theory. The universe came to exist in a blip. It wasn't there, and then it was there a big bang of cosmic energy exploded and created the universe. How? There is no scientific, objective evidence that establishes exactly how that happened. There are theories, but just like there's no absolute definitive proof that God created the universe out of nowhere, there's no absolute scientific, objective proof that the matter just didn't exist and then it did exist. Now, someday we'll learn, probably, maybe, But until then, I'm going to be comforted by the fact that I believe that something caused it to come into existence and the universe existed. So do I call this power, this force, this being God? Sure. Why not? Do we rely on the idea of intelligent design so that we don't have to put a name on it? Intelligent design has become one of those philosophies out there that's really anti-science and really a substitute for creationism. And I'm not going to define all the terms today. If you know, you know. If you don't, go look them up. But the concept of intelligent design suggests in my mind, and this is my adaptation of something that was created to be an anti-science position. And hey, if they can create things, so can I. My view of intelligent design is that there is a power that created everything, then went to the bathroom, filled the tub, and said, you're on your own, kids. And it's up to us to make it work. Intelligent design is Biff the God, flipping the on switch, turning the universe on, letting the wheels start spinning, and saying good luck to you, and leaving us to our own devices. That's what intelligent design is to me. Now, how does all that factor into my view of the universe? Well, I love astronomy. I love Star Trek, as you know. I love Star Wars. I love the concept of the idea of many races, many species out there spread across the galaxies that are spread throughout the universe. Given the sheer immensity of the universe, it simply defies logic to believe that human beings are the only species that exist. It makes no sense. And quite honestly, I view it as the ultimate in human arrogance to believe that we're the only species that Biff the God created. What sense does it make? Why would God create an entire universe and then put the most important, most elegant creation on a backwater planet in a backwater galaxy, somewhere on the fringe of the universe. What sense does that make? Now, I know people are arrogant, and human beings by nature seem very, very arrogant. But the ultimate in arrogance is believing you're the most important thing ever created in the history of the universe. I came to realize we're not. (laughs) We're not that important. We may be part of an intelligent design if you want to go down that path. We could just as easily be the residual effects of ongoing evolution over which we have no control. But either way, it's not happening just here. Statistically speaking, it makes no sense. Now, don't get me wrong. I know there's no objective proof of any life outside of this planet. There simply is not. There's no scientific measure to show that there's intelligent life anywhere outside of Earth. But I'm not so arrogant to believe that just because I haven't seen the proof doesn't mean that it's not out there. Especially given the vast size of the universe. Now, do I believe that one day we'll harness the ability to go explore the universe and find that objective proof of life outside of the planet Earth? Yeah, I believe that. Assuming, of course, we don't destroy ourselves somewhere between here and there. Because that's a very real possibility, too. The same human arrogance that lets us believe that we're the most important thing in the universe also lets us believe that we're completely indestructible. We're not. And looking at things all around us, whether it's climate change, which is very real, by the way, all you have to do is pay attention, or religious wars, or nuclear accidents, or so, so many things that are out there that could kill us off, COVID, or some other biological thing that we refuse to take seriously because we're such arrogant humans. Well, that's not going to hurt me. I don't need a mask. I don't need a vaccine. I'm a human. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not all arrogant. We're not all immune to science and reason and technology. But there's enough of us who are that it causes me great concern. So I do wonder whether we can ever get to the point where we'll travel to other star systems or other galaxies to determine what other types of life are out there. I think it's out there. I'm just hopeful we'll be able to determine that at some point before we kill ourselves. But getting back to that vastness of the universe concept, I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to stand on an ocean shore, standing on the beach at the Atlantic, standing on the beach at the Pacific. But if you ever get the chance to do so, stand on the beach and just look out at the ocean and just tune out everything around you. Just look at the vastness of the ocean and just think how far out it goes and how open it is and how empty it is for so many miles. Then take a look down at the sand you're standing on as you're standing on the beach. Just pick up a handful of it. Imagine all of the grains of sand there. How many thousands upon thousands of grains of sand are in a handful that you pick up from the beach? You probably couldn't count them all. Now take that mental picture. The vastness of the ocean, how wide open it is, the sheer number of grains of sand in one handful of sand. Then go out one night, stand in your front yard, stand on your back porch, stand in the street, After everybody's gone to sleep, go out about midnight, maybe one in the morning. Look up at the sky. See how many stars you see. Try to count those stars. Try to count the number of stars you see in a quadrant. And by quadrant, just divide the sky into four. Do four sections of the sky. Concentrate on one section of the sky. How many stars are out there? And those are just the ones that you can see. If you get a telescope, focus it on that same quadrant of the sky, you'll be astonished at how many stars are beyond your ability to see just with a naked eye. How many more are visible with a telescope? And that's just your basic telescope. If you ever get the chance to go to an observatory, the stars that you can see beyond what you can see with a basic telescope are so innumerable, you can't even begin to comprehend it. So when you have that perspective in your mind about how much space is out there, whether it's the grains of sand, whether it's the vastness of the ocean, whether it's the immensity of the night sky, when you sit and think about how much is out there that we can't even see from where we are, you start to get a perspective of a universe beyond your teeny tiny little slice of it on this teeny tiny little planet orbiting a teeny tiny little star in some little galaxy in the backwoods of the universe. Now, I'll be honest with you, that's a hard perspective to grasp. It's a hard perspective to come to grips with. We're so used to thinking of ourselves as the most important thing in the world. And maybe you are. Maybe you're the most important thing in the world, but I've come to realize I'm not. I'm not the most important thing in the world. Hell, I'm not even the most important thing in my own house. But when you think about it in those terms, when you think about your existence, when you think about your life on a galactic or universal scale, you start to realize that maybe the little things that I worry about every day, that guy cut me off. She cut in line in the supermarket. I can't get a PS5. You start to realize those stupid little problems are really just stupid little problems. And you also start to realize that the little wars that we fight here, the little disagreements that we have here, the little religious disputes, political disputes, cultural disputes that we have, in the vast scheme of things, they don't matter. They might matter to you at this minute in time, but they don't matter in the overall scheme of the universe. So what does that leave me with? Where does that take me? What does that lead me to believe? Well, I go back to that thing that was on the walls of my churches when I was growing up. God is love. That's from the Bible, by the way. I'm not just making that up. My religion took that straight out of the Bible. If you want to reference 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, God is love. So if we want to believe in God, the first thing we have to accept is God is love. It doesn't say God is hate. God is revenge. God is forcing other people to believe what we believe. God is love. So that leads me to believe that perhaps we should be a little more respectful a little more caring, a little more concerned about the people around us. And while what I do on this planet and in my lifetime may not change the course of history on Alpha Centauri, it can make a difference for the people who are living here around me now. And if I'm going to subscribe to the belief that there's Biff the God, Yahweh, an intelligent designer out there, the one thing that I have to remember that I don't think anybody can dispute is that God is supposed to be love. So I take that philosophical belief... So I take that religious belief, and I try to use that to influence what I do, both for myself, my family, and people around me. I try to make the world a better place. I try not to hate. I try not to argue nonsensical things. I try not to fight battles that don't need to be fought over things that are ultimately inconsequential. I try to live a good life, and I try to make life good for those around me. And that's where I'm bringing this back for you. I'm not saying you have to live your life like I do. But what I'm suggesting is that you take a look at your life, that you take a look at your belief system, and you take a look at the world around you. And then you factor in the idea that nothing is really accomplished by hating other people. Nothing is really accomplished by waging war against other people. The differences that we make in this world and in our lives is best made by making our lives better and the lives of those around us better, not worse. And even if you don't want to reach out to other people, even if your only concern is living a peaceful calm, pleasant life for yourself, that's okay. But the best way to do that, at least from what I've found out over the years, is to keep in mind, we have a little slice of the universe all to ourselves. Biff the God created the universe, gave us a little tiny piece of it. What we do here doesn't affect what goes on in the rest of the universe, but it does affect us. It affects only that little blip of time that each of us has. In the big scheme of things enjoying our time on this planet during our short time on it should be our focus. Not hating, not fighting, not creating issues where none should exist. Just enjoying our time. Now, that's a philosophy that works for me. And I'm passing it on to you in the hopes that maybe you'll get something out of it. I hope you do. The one thing I've discovered, life is a whole lot nicer when you're not angry. When you're happy, or at least chill, life feels so much better. And so I'm passing that philosophy on to you for whatever it's worth I understand that a lot of what I just said is going to be received like what the hell is that guy talking about and I know some are going to say this guy's crazy or they might say blasphemer but you know what one of the things about life is you get to believe whatever you want to believe you can believe what I'm saying You can completely discard it. You can consider it, weigh the options, and then say, what an idiot that guy is. But that's the beauty of life. You get to make those choices. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Storytime. Thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far, congratulations. You've put up with me ranting and raving philosophically for yet another week. And I really appreciate the fact that you did so. You guys are the best, and I can't thank you enough. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.